What's up, everybody? Welcome to the VSM Real Estate Podcast, getting you closer to massively successful people in the Twin Cities real estate market. I'm your host, Andre Anderson, today joined by Dan Vishnovitsky, Ryan Schroeder. Hey, hey, hey. And Joe Masselter, who's on his phone. Deuces. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> All right, today is another market update, gentlemen. What's happening in the market? Can we address your mustache first, though? We can. <laughs> Men's health awareness, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something can, like that. Can we can we vote on it? And I think I, I think he looks more mature. <laughs> Jordan, more can mature. we can we cancel the podcast for this evening, please? Please, he, please please grill my mustache right now. He looks like a, a police officer that is using From his power bed. to creep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hello, you have a like a Miami Vice creeper yeah. whole thing. It's like it's really yeah. working for you right now. It's really working. Oh, yeah. whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Oh, like, boogie nights. Like I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of different things right now. Boogie nights. Okay. Yeah. 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 But now that the elephant's out of the room, uh, we can Goodbye, move on to real estate. On. Uh, yes, thank yes. you. And other other various topics. <laughs> real estate market. Well, uh, since no one started, I'm going to jump right in here and tell you that what the hell is going on here? I got a bunch of really nice <laughs> for sale and nobody's buying it. That's <laughs> <laughs> happening. That's happening. What do you All think, right, Joe? I did, I did just hire uh, Team Joe, though, recently to G-I take Joe. over, Joe. and I'm um, hoping G-I that the results Joe. will come Speak for along. themselves. Yeah. Um, well, you, know, you certainly had a lot to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm seeing in the market right now is, um, you know, typically this is the, the slowest time of year. Everybody knows it, November, December. But we do have pent-up demand. So when you have pent-up demand, November, December aren't that bad. Um, you get a lot of relocations this time of year. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what time of the year that you are selling, in my opinion. If you price it right, it, it will sell because right now we have pent-up demand. So, you know, looking at previous history, every year in Minnesota, because of the weather, because of the holidays, end of October through, I would say, the Super Bowl, people just don't buy. They, they hibernate just like bears. But the bears aren't going to win. So what do I do with, uh, you know, this plethora of freshly rehabbed properties that I have coming on the market here? You know, and I think the reason that you're feeling pressure is these are, it's this time of year, right? If you have, like, next year you'll go into and you'll have 10, 20, 25 properties that you're going to rehab probably, right? And I'm going to list all of those. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you'll, you'll feel differently about it because you'll go into this season and you'll, it'll be a different scenario because mm-hmm. you'll have sold the first 20 of them. And you might sit on the other ones because of the time of year, but it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be not quick. Um, Double negative there, huh? Yeah. It's going to be quick. It's, it's not going to be not quick. It's going to be quick. Um, but no, seriously, in, in all honesty, I think this time of the year does scare people away because let's say somebody writes an offer on Pine View today, mm-hmm. right? They're 35 days out. Mm-hmm. That's that's Christmas. It's also called Christmas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. Christmas. So people are like, yeah, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm going to have my family over. Or I'm, I'm living in a townhouse or I'm renting. They're not motivated right now. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, well, you know, once Christmas goes by, I'll start looking again online at, at, at a minimum, right? So they'll start looking online and call it January 1st. Why do I say Super Bowl? Because that's when people go through pre-approval, Dan, and you'll talk about that in a little bit. And then they'll get serious, and February 1st rolls around, and that's when they start getting out there and actually wanting to look at properties again. Unfortunately, um, or fortunately for you, owning properties, I think we've kind of bucked the trend on that because people are out nonstop now because they want to get ahead of multiple offers. 
Um, there's pent-up demand, so they've been looking at properties for, call it, six months. They just can't find what they like. But at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody says, any listing agent says, you have to price the property right. I don't think any realtor can do a better or worse job to market a property. You got to do professional photos. You got to do all the basics. But if you price it right, it will sell. I don't care if it's November or March. You might get multiple offers in March versus November, but the price will be similar. Okay. So in my specific situation, let's refer to Pineview here. So you've seen the property and you're taking it over. Um, my carrying costs on that thing are approximately $1,500 a month. Do I stay the course at the current price or do I uh, start panicking and dropping? Nope. I would not panic at all. I think that we just have to remarket it a little bit differently. $1,500 a month is a lot. You know, we've talked about all the other aspects of it, too. You've got a lot going on. You want other flips. You want to buy other properties. At the same time, um, I think the right buyer is out there for your property. I think you're not that far off of what it should be, mm-hmm. and we're getting into a whole podcast of Ryan's properties. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> and uh, I, I like a dominating that. personality. I'm sorry. I like that. He's that could be on, a whole he's, podcast. He's put me on the That's spot. Right. But I honestly, like, if you look at over the year that like I'll, I'll launch a property. Typically they will sit on the market when they're improperly priced. And I do so much due diligence to price a property out of the gates that I can feel good and sleep at night about my properties that I list. Well, that's why I decided to hire team Joe that's why we're for, gonna that, work. for that expert guidance. And, you know, and I'm just a fraud. I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> to give, to give uh, a little bit more details on Ryan and I's relationship. Um, I'm going to help him list his flips. And what we're going to do at the beginning is we're going to talk about actual re- future retail value of what they will be once he flips them based on the on the finishes that I've been seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think what will help there is we'll have a very realistic view out of the gates. Then we're going to go to list it, right? And we're going to know that if <laughs> I told Ryan, I said, what if I tell you to list it at 350 Then we go to list it, and it's going to be 299 That won't happen unless something major happens mm-hmm. differently. And I think that's the case. I think Again, the demand is out there. Interest rates are low. Mm-hmm. The market is not slowing down. I do not see a bubble anywhere. In the, and we'll talk about this mm-hmm. when you start asking questions and I start justifying my business proposal to this guy. But mm-hmm. um, interest rates are not going higher. Mm-hmm. The demand is there. Mm-hmm. The inventory is low. Mm-hmm. It's time to sell. Well, I mean, I definitely want to sell. So <laughs> make it happen. Let's talk about interest rates because I, I that is a great way to segue you in here. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm doing the host job here. Like I said, okay. go ahead. Let's talk about interest rates. Oh, interest Ooh. rates. Interest rates. So God. the Fed continues to manipulate the the market to, you know, steamroll progress. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so that our president can get reelected and mm-hmm. and the, on the back of the economy. So um, taking the taking the wheels off here. So. Um, how have when they announced the that the prime rate was going to be reduced again i think that was last week mm-hmm. what effect did it have on mortgage interest rates uh there was a, a tiny bit of a hike uh but uh, what happened now is rates have uh if there was a hike it, it was literally maybe by an eighth mm-hmm. perhaps a quarter but rates came back down and they're just as good as they were you know with uh with the rates the way that they are um as long as Trump stays president, um, 
Right. Uh, as long as the oppressor right, stays over right. the top of them. Rate, rates, <laughs> uh, rates are going to be good because his goal is to keep rates low because that's how, you know, that's how he made his, uh, I mean, millions, right? Yeah. His, his $10 million net worth. Right. One of the things that we talked about prior to this, though, was... It was M, the, not B, billion. The, <laughs> the idea is Trump wants to keep the interest rates low, keep the economy humming, and then win the election, and then everything's going to change again. Right. Well, mm-hmm. everything I've been reading, and we talked about this, mm-hmm. and it surprised you, and it surprised me. Everything I've been reading, everything I've been told is that once Trump is reelected or a new president comes in, interest rates are actually going to lower. And you're looking at me like, that dude's dumb. And he did the same thing. Yeah. He's like, nah, that's not. Every single piece of literature I've read on the topic and everybody that's been in the industry for 20-plus years has told me that exact same thing. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Well, the validity that I can in add to that is um, if you look at mature markets like Japan, for example, they're in a negative interest uh-huh. rate environment and, yeah. and have been for some time, right? The entirety of our consumer-based economy is... Uh, is contingent upon people having cheap money to mm-hmm. be able to just keep going into debt, mm-hmm. spend, 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 mm-hmm. and you know, live beyond their stuff. means and everything mm-hmm. like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm not actually all that surprised if that did happen. But at the same time, sound economic principles would tell you that in a in a growing economy, you should inch up the interest rates. And uh, so everything defies uh, traditional that, economic. That's thinking. why I think it supports a not a bubble, but it supports us going downward is because why are interest rates staying low when we say we're having this kick-ass economy? It, they it should blows my mind. Uh, lowering taxes, lowering interest rates, um, spend, 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 trillions in debt every year. Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know if the idea is to lead us at a thousand miles per hour into the cliff so that uh, you know the wreckage is just that much more but uh, but at the same time if you know what you're doing you're an investor you come in and you swoop up and you know uh, Warren Buffett said buy when everyone's selling and sell when everyone's buying so Mm -hmm. uh, let's let Andre kick off some questions for Daniel here so what do you think about the interest interest rates right now I think interest rates are great Uh, they're at uh, second all-time low Uh, I think that uh, uh, they're, you know, uh, as long as Trump is uh, as president, they're gonna stay low. Uh, they're, uh, the, we're really not looking at, at, at another interest rate hike. Um, I think that uh, um, what we are seeing in the mortgage world is we're seeing uh, the lending guidelines um, tightening up a little bit. Really? Which, which I uh, don't think is which the is worst thing in the world. Yeah. It's not, but then it causes you to think, um, you know, is there another recession coming? Uh, you know, just to give you an example, um, you know, uh, with cash out refinances, mm-hmm. um, FHA conventional, we were talking about this earlier, um, you know, uh, 85% uh, was the max, and they just uh, scaled it back to 80 Um so, you know, you're seeing um, some Fannie and Freddie guidelines that were approved prior uh, no longer being approved. Uh, debt-to-income uh, ratios uh, aren't as loosely uh, used. And what I was talking to you guys about earlier is these um, bank statement loans, uh, self-employed, 
uh, people. Those, those are, I mean, those are really risky loans if you think about it. And those were introduced not too long ago. And uh, in my opinion, I think you're going to see those slowly but surely um, go away. That's really interesting because I think in the past, like, what, year and a half, two years, you've seen them come up a little bit. And then mm-hmm. not only that, from apart from the bank statement loans, but there's also those, uh, there's some, like, rental loans that you can get uh, matching just whatever the rental income is. Mm-hmm. You can you can get into debt so that your monthly payment matches whatever the rental income is. Mm. So that's even... What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We know so about the rental business. Is, we, uh, there's never any additional expenses. So. Never, ever, I was ever. thinking about what is the, the movie where they talk about the whole mortgage? Big Short. Oh, Big, the Big Short. Oh, Big Short, yeah. yeah. Big that's a really good so movie. So one of the famous things that happens in that movie is they talk to that stripper, right? And the stripper's like, the guy's like, how many homes do you own? Like and she's six. like, five, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, what happens when it all adjusts and you have to, like, come, that all comes due? And she's like, what? Yeah. Um, that's why when I talk to people about the real estate market, the bubble and all of that stuff, I say, we have different problems. I don't think mortgage-backed securities are going to drive. I don't see us having the same problems we did in 08. No way. I see us having new ones, and yeah. they're, they are new, and they're different, and Get strippers can't buy six houses. Right. But... Really motivated ones can. But we Bank have, statement loans. Yeah, we have new problems. Bank statement loans, right? Or right. 0% down. Joe, <laughs> t- to your point, I mean, they're... they're, they're Avoiding uh, what, what it, I mean, first of all, you have products back before 08 uh, that don't exist anymore. Uh, like the, the Can You Fog a Mirror loan? Yeah. The, <laughs> well, you know, like. Approved. Uh, well, that or, you know, the, the, the balloon payments, you know, you don't have that. Or, you know, the, the adjusting arms where mm-hmm. they, 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 there's a limit to how much they can adjust, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's one or 2% per year. I mean. Back then it wasn't. Right, now. right. So, so uh, to your point. You know they're they're taking extreme precautions, and you know in 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 a market crash as we talked about earlier, uh, you know the, the real estate market would be the last uh, to really go, right? Mm-hmm. So and it would take a while, or could it would lead take, it. You know, you never yeah. know. But yeah. But so with that being said, I mean I, I see it all the time where we get these notifications uh, where, for example, the um, you know the the home ready or the home possible programs where you know people uh, not even first time home buyers can put like three percent down and uh, get a better uh, private mortgage insurance payment based on the uh, adjusted uh, median area income uh, where. Right? Wow. You've never heard about this? No. So so people could could put three percent down, not even first time home buyers that make hundred fifty thousand dollars. That part I've heard of, but uh, the rest of it is news to me. Yeah. Well they they've adjusted it down now to where uh, seventy nine nine is the limit. And uh, it's eighty percent of the area median income. So I mean they're taking precautions to where people can't take advantage of uh, these first time home buyer loans. I can hear you open your Diet Pepsi on the <laughs> podcast, but just go. Yeah. But I think that you know Diet Cola, Diet Cola. <laughs> they're being for a, a cap. They're being for a lot a more cap. precautious as far as kind of not keeping guidelines extremely loose, but they're scaling back on a far. Well, I remember when I got my first loan was in 2007, bef- right before the crash. Yep. You know, it was a great move. And um, was that Penn Avenue? It was, oh. yeah. And so this guy um, hasn't made anything but good moves, you know. Yeah, I made three bad moves so Big far. I think. Um, and uh, president of brokerage. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you still get you still get positive kudos for that. Um, <laughs> so, 
first house though, it was like, hey, you want a mortgage, zero percent do down, right. yeah, stated income, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I got a high interest rate, but you know, no big deal. I just rolled right in there, no problem. Right. Um, and 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 then uh, the second mortgage I got was in 2011, which was you know in the height of the the whole debacle or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember they were going through my bank statement saying, what is this purchase yeah. at Wendy's for yeah. five seventy eight? I'm like, that's lunch. <laughs> yeah. like, what is this large <laughs> deposit? What, what do you mean? It's 200. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah, yeah. And so, so I saw this pendulum swing from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. And um, even when I just did a refinance on my house, probably about six months ago, um, it was a nightmare, but that's mostly because my Tax situation, right? Super complicated. You didn't use right. Finance right. of America. Either. I didn't. Right. But I had 1,583 use... pages for my tax return. So yeah. you'd be glad I didn't send it to you. Yeah. No, I, 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 <laughs> please send me all your business. I would love. <laughs> but um, so you know, one of the things, and not to digress, <laughs> but one of the reasons that we have you on the podcast yeah. is because you are the expert in what you do, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just want to learn more from you. We want to. Um, we want to learn more from you, and we want to learn more about what you have to say. And mm-hmm. we're just curious on, we talked about interest rates and things like that, mm-hmm. but what are, what are you seeing? What are you seeing in your job, and what are, what are things that are important to you? And as you enter 2020, what are some things that borrowers, future buyers, sellers, everybody should be watching out for? Obviously, we talk, again, we talked about interest rates, but mm-hmm. what are the other things? Uh, as far as options, I'm, can you be a little more specific? Oh, yeah. I'll give you the answer. Could you give a coherent question? No, don't give me the answer. I'll give you the answer. (laughs) No, just what are the the other things that you're focused on for 2020? I want this to kind of give, you know. Yeah. Who pronounces it 2020? 2020. It's 2020. I mean, as far as, you know, there's a lot of options uh, for buyers these days. Um, And it's not uh, just... um, you know, the typical uh, 20% down or the typical 5% down. Um, there's a lot of loans out there and a lot of different options that buyers should know about, especially first-time home buyers, that they don't. So first time, when you say first-time home buyers, do people that qualify for, for do you have to be a first-time home buyer to qualify for a lot of the programs that you're talking about? Or can you be a second-time you home don't. buyer? And- you don't. You know, there's there's a, a lot of options that uh, are, for example, like the Home Ready Home Possible programs that you don't have to be um, a first-time home buyer. You just can't own two properties at the same time. Uh, but as far as like the 3% down programs, uh, the, the reduced PMI, private mortgage insurance, things like that. I'm curious on a couple of things. Like, Anna, you, are, you own how many rental properties, do you think? I don't know, 50 or 60, something it's like cur- that. It's cool you don't know. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's cool you don't know. why aren't mm. you selling them? Um, I've been begrudgingly selling them as part of a sort of a disposition of partnerships, but otherwise... Ignore Lauren, okay? Let's talk about your other... Why why would you not sell every uh, rental property that you own? Um, Number one, from tax benefits from owning rental properties, the depreciation deduction has been for from 2010 to 2017 was the reason I didn't pay any income taxes. Um, And then uh, (laughs) number one, let's, let's be real about that. Number two... Um, I created a lot of wealth over those years because of the appreciation in the real estate market. Um, 
but yeah, I have been selling a lot of them uh, as part of a kind of a dissolution of partnerships. But in the meantime, I've learned my lessons and now I don't buy hundred year old houses in Columbia Heights and Minneapolis and stuff. I'm buying, you know, 15 year old townhouses in top 10 school districts mm -hmm. that are desirable configurations and th stuff like that. And I go in there and I put in uh, life proof flooring with hundred year warranty on their, the, the craftsmanship and I just gotten a lot smarter about the way I do things. So is it less about cash flow, more about depreciation? Like on that Apple Valley property, for instance, mm -hmm. are you cash flowing on that, or is no, it just not really? Like maybe like maybe I'd say if all went my way, I'd make like two grand, but it never goes my way because of maintenance always you know right. creeps up on it. Right. Um, but I would say number one reason I bought it is I bought it and I created thirty or forty thousand dollars in equity through buying it and doing the improvements on it. And then number two reason is the depreciation deduction. So, sure. and then also I feel like it's going to be super easy for me to manage, and it's something that I could potentially uh, leave to my kids. So, because it's it's just so easy. I mean, we for example we got another property that we've owned for about six seven years in Maplewood. It's about a hundred years old. I mean, it's always something with that thing. Like we've had to replace the windows, the appliances. We've had leaks in the basement where we had to put in drain tile. Just recently, we had an electrical system failure, and we had to get a new fuse box and the stuff like that. The old ESF. Just, just, just. Oh God. But just worse. Get, get me out of, uh, get me out of the old stuff. You know. You did talk me out of buying a hundred-year-old duplex this year, so I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, it's one thing to buy it, fix it, and flip it, but I wouldn't say owning it is really the the jam. Right. Okay, it looks like there's, there's an in, increase in new listings and pending sales, but there's a decrease in inventory. Low interest rates probably have promulgated a decrease in inventory. That doesn't hey, make sorry, sense. I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> so, question. Yeah. All right. So you've got a buyer. I nodded off. Come on. You've got a buyer in, I also in a multiple <laughs> offer situation, yeah. right? We're leading up to spring, right? At this point, we're leading up to spring mm -hmm. because the market has died off, especially mm -hmm. if you own Plymouth. Uh, flips, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Pine view. What What do you think that buyers can do through their realtors or through their lenders? Mm -hmm. There's no I in realtor, by the way. As they go through the process, like how can they differentiate their, themselves? Good question. Uh, one of the things that uh, I like to do is uh, whenever a, a buyer makes an offer, I will uh, always uh, call the listing agent. Uh, to let them know that uh, they've fully been uh, basically basically approved. So, uh, point. Yeah. What is fully approved versus like pre-approval, qualified? What's well, the difference there? Let's let's take a look at for uh, for example, Quicken Loans. Right. They will uh, approve someone based on stated income, pulled credit, uh, which in my opinion is uh, absolutely makes no sense uh, because how can you tell me what you make if you're hourly plus commission you've had commission less than two years now we can't use your commission we can only use your hourly or salary and now uh, you thought you qualified for a home that you didn't if you're self-employed and you make a hundred grand a year but uh, you write off 70 of it and now you're only sitting at 30 grand but you've already been pre-approved and there's a lot of those situations that have happened when i do a pre-approval as every lender should we review all documents the w-2s the pay stubs uh the the, the credit um, and you know if the situation needs underwriting approval where it's one of those where the commission uh, needs to be averaged out over the course of two years uh, we will indeed put it through an underwriter to get an exact figure right so when I make that phone call to 
the listing agent, uh, I you're doing I it with confidence. I do it with complete confidence. Right. And so once you've done that level of underwriting, how quickly could you potentially close? Um, if all the work is done up front mm -hmm. uh, and things are collected on the front end, uh, we could close at. I, I shouldn't say we, I have been able to close as quickly as two weeks, mm -hmm. okay? We ask for 30 days because that's a fair number, but should we need a quicker close and the work is done up front, it's very possible. Mm -hmm. So as a question that relates to you, right? So you obviously for the I last- I talking about me, go on. Yeah. For the last 20 <laughs> minutes talked about how you like to write off all your income, not pay income tax, mm -hmm. right? So when you guys went to buy Savage, how did you get pre-approved to buy that property? That's a great question. I didn't. I, uh, I bought that through my business mm -hmm. since uh, I had no real other options. Did so you pay a higher interest rate when you buy through business, or how does that work? Yeah, I used, um, I used a commercial loan product. I was probably at about a point to a point and a quarter over what the interest rate environment was for somebody who would have qualified conventionally. And so what I did is um, after I had it for six months, then I signed it over to myself via quit claim deed, <clears throat> let that season for six months, and then I was able to do a, a refinance in my name. Mm -hmm. Got it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just curious on how all that works. Makes sense. And, and, and Joe, just uh, back to the question that you ask, uh, it's extremely, especially nowadays, it's extremely important that uh, if you're getting pre-approved, that the work is done up front uh, because it's so, and, and you know, as, as a realtor, right, it's, it's so common that a deal can just fall through uh, because something isn't there. And if the information isn't collected up front. Um, as it relates to that, right? Yeah. Obviously, I walked you through a recent deal that I had going on where the uh, loan officer could not share much with me because yep. they were, it's privacy laws. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but when I call, let's say I call you, you've mm -hmm. got the pre-approval, I don't know you from Adam, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, Dan, hey, are these buyers good to go? Mm -hmm. Like, what information can you, like, besides, oh, yeah, uh, yeah they're great. They're really responsive. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, they got everything to me in five mm -hmm. seconds. Mm -hmm. I'm from Painesville. Like, what else can <laughs> That's they That's how he talks in real life, by the way. What yeah. else can they say besides I'm from Painesville, you know? Uh, what can you divulge to... to what can you as a lender divulge to anybody? I, anybody. Like, obviously, you can't say, oh, yeah, their credit score is 680 and they make $120,000 no. a year. But what can you say to really, like, if I'm the, if I'm the listing agent, I'm like, Dan, how, are they going to buy this place? Like, what's the deal? Mm -hmm. what, what can you say to me? I can say that uh, they're fully qualified for uh, the listing price. I can say that all the documents have been reviewed, the incomes been calculated, they have uh, the sufficient funds uh, to close. Um, I, I can't divulge any numbers. And, I, and, and so where I'm going with this mm -hmm. is, okay, so that's, that is the legal answer, right? Yes. So let's say we get to that point, it's like, they're fully approved. What can happen after that point, right? So I gave you a really crazy example this week where yeah. the person got into a breakup situation and they didn't qualify. Apparently, the underwriter took it upon themselves to judge if they were going to break up or not. Right. Oh. And we don't... Yeah. <laughs> but what... Okay, so they're fully approved, Dan. Like, you got, them, you got all their documents, their income's verified, like, everything's good to go. Uh -huh. What is the most common... 
something you've seen where it's like, oh, shit, like they can't qualify anymore? Like, have you seen anything like that, or are you more, you're more than likely able to navigate it? Uh, let's face it. When, you, when you're writing, when, when you're sending a pre-approval, it's, it's your name as the lender on the line. I agree. Right? And the last thing you want to do is have a deal fall apart, uh, especially towards the end. Because unless it's something on the uh, selling, you know, the, the appraisal side or, you know, something happens outside. They lied of, to you, right? Or, or, you know, they were being less than honest with you, as, you know, I like to put it. Um, <laughs> lied. If, if you, less than honest. I like you. But if you, same, do, same. If you yeah. do your full diligence up front, especially on those iffy ones that, that you're not sure about, and if you don't get a second up, uh, set of eyes on it or if, if something doesn't, quite makes sense and, and you don't, you know, have an underwriter take a look at it. That's where those deals fall apart. Anything can happen during a deal that may be out of your control, like, you know, I'm threatening divorce or I think I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to let my loan officer know and, and, you know, let the underwriter know and send a big email out to everybody. But I mean, everything that's within your control as the uh, loan originator, things should go smoothly. Right. Okay. You know? So as it relates to that, so when I first got in the business, I took a lot of new lender meetings, right? Mm -hmm. We met each other kind of through that way originally. Yeah, love at first sight. (laughs) one of the things that people say is, you know, I can close a loan in seven days. I can close a loan in seven days. That's impossible. I mean, It doesn't matter to me, though, right? I don't write purchase agreements unless you're cash to close in seven days, right? Of course. Even that. But even that. I mean, what's the need? What's the need, right? Title needs time to do their work. Yeah. Um, So where I'm going with, I'm not going anywhere with that, Mm -hmm. but where I'm going with this is... um, People often talk about in-house underwriting, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got an in-house underwriter. I can talk to him. Oh, my God, we're best friends. We have beers together. Oh, my right, God. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, down, they're, they're cube for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're down a cube for me. If I got a question, yeah. I'll just go ask them. We get fresh tacos. Punch stomach. Together. Yeah, right. right. I got an underwriter, he you know? He sits in my office right next what to me. What the what f*** does that mean? <laughs> to explain it to the general public, because when somebody tells me, oh, we got in-house underwriting, I'm thinking, John's in the back room, like, boiler room, but right? That, and he's shredding papers. Right. He's shredding papers. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hope they don't find this. I, I've, I've, so so the, 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 the company that I work for now, Finance America, we do have an in-house underwriter. I, I'm not saying... He Is un- it Thomas, though? <laughs> he doesn't underwrite all, he all our. He doesn't underwrite all our loans. Some mm-hmm. loans are corporate underwritten, but the, the the biggest benefits and the definition of an in-house underwriter is an underwriter who actually sits in your facility in your office. Our underwriter sits down the hall and to the left. He has his own office, and the the biggest benefits to having an in-house underwriter is indeed the fact that you can literally not send an email, not place a phone call, not leave a message, but go over into his office and talk to him. And that has tremendous, 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 tremendous benefits when it comes to, uh, I'm not going to say approving or denying a loan, but the the best way to, uh, you know, underwriters and I'm not an underwriter, but underwriters, you have to make a case. If you want a loan approved and, and they're pushing back, here's why, right? And uh, I'm not going to say what companies, but some companies, underwriters are hired to deny loans. Um, our underwriter at Finance of America, our underwriters, uh, and I can say with confidence, are hired 
to approve loans, right? Yeah. So we've had tremendous success with that. Um, what is your underwriter's name? Is it Thomas? <laughs> First name, not whole name. Darren. So you got Darren in the yeah. office, right? Is he <clears throat> like the loneliest mother? in the world or like is he Dude. on everybody's christmas no list? he's not he's not he's he's the he's guy who tired. gets cajoled on, on a regular say, basis because i'm thinking with, darren's with, getting with, with chocolates well and, yeah. darren does sit in it like darren yeah. true story i mean he's not yeah. he, he's not in the middle of the office he's got his own office sometimes he works from home but that's that's not the point the point well, is well, if he's working from home what's the benefit you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the facility back, back to in his corner. home but no to your point so darren's got the corner office mm-hmm. darren's in the office he's you know um Joe has a corner office here. But to your point, um, what I want kind of the general public to understand is underwriters, you know, I think get a bad rap. Yes. Most of the time. Yes. You know, to your point, there might be some lending facilities that underwriters are paid to decline the loans because they're looking for the best and brightest, right? But underwriters, generally speaking, want to find a way, right? Because they want to make Dan happy. They, which Dan wants to make the realtor happy, and Dan wants to be realtor. made happy by the underwriter. Underwriters aren't incentivized to approved to approve. Or, you know, they don't get paid extra for approved loans, and or they don't declined. get paid extra declined loans. Right. You know, it's 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 just a matter. They want to find a way. They want to find a way. Yeah, I consider yeah. the underwriters the <clears throat> last line of defense against you know the salesman and his you know trying to slam any old deal through so he can make a commission. Right. And I mean, isn't that? Isn't, aren't they the, the, the voice of reason when there's some basura that comes across the table here? Yeah, I, I mean, for the most part, yes. And I think underwriters are... Basura is Spanish for trash. Trash, right. Yeah, underwriters, so are the, like, underwriters are the gateway I go to getting into another problem. <laughs> yeah. Another economy problem, right? I think they are the <clears throat> gateway, right? So if you have a really bad credit and, oh, my God, they're approving everybody... The underwriter is kind of that person to be like, pump the brakes. You do mm-hmm. not need to buy it. You know, you can't buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, like in recent events mm-hmm. that I've shared with you, mm-hmm. the underwriter goes above and beyond what I would say is their call of duty. Yeah. And they make judgment calls. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, underwriters, like loan officers, like realtors, mm-hmm. need to judge based on the evidence that they have on paper. Exactly. If you give me a pre-approval letter for three hundred thousand, mm-hmm. I assume that that buyer can buy at three hundred thousand. That is correct. I, <laughs> of course, it is right. Always, um, you know me. I don't write. Math- o- I don't go and write offers for four hundred thousand. Right. Joe's a mathematician. I write offers for three hundred or less. Right. And underwriters need to look at income and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. They do not need to look at all these other separate items that have nothing to do with the transaction. Yes, you are correct. And that, just like realtors, just like loan officers, they're bad underwriters. There's good underwriters, <laughs> right? You know. Has anyone noticed that Dan knows the proper pronunciation of realtor and well, Joe still adds an extra? It's, it's realtors. Real Googling tour. it as we speak. There's yeah. no I in it. Real it's, it's not doctor. It's Real doctor. Do- doctor. <laughs> Hello, I'm your area specialist, doctor. Let me give you guys one closing question. Why should they? Or is there any reasons that they should actually consider looking right now at what's on market, whether it's from loan products or whether it's from inventory and availability, rather than wait till everybody else who's waiting for Christmas to be done? I, I mean, if you're asking me that question directly, I would, I mean, it, it, unless, unless we're talking about like some sort of a scare of a rate hike, 
right? Which there's not, um, as as far as I know, as market closed today. Um, that would be more of a question for a, a realtor, uh, depending on home prices, depending on realtor. inventory. A realtor. realtor, realtor. You know, <laughs> I, that that would be a. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would say absolutely. Go ahead and take your time. I mean, realtor. we're not, we're not seeing. E A L I T O R. When you're looking from a home price perspective, it'd probably be yes, maybe home prices remain stable or will increase during the springtime. The thing that's probably most con- concerning would be multiple offers. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more demand when it comes to the swing time of spring or in summer. Uh, right now, uh, you can find really good deals, uh, and this is pretty well known through the investor community. If you look through deal, if you look at deals through like from Thanksgiving or Christmas time in between New Year's, you can find tons of good deals. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, because everyone's resting on their laurels, and mm-hmm. no one's really doing their job. Mm-hmm. They want to be going to you know the Thanksgiving dinner, the Christmas dinner, New Year's party. They want to get drunk and and go to parties or whatever. Um, they're not looking to hustle. And, uh, some people are, but at the same time, uh, the deals there's a lot of good deals that happen there. Mm-hmm. So if you want to avoid multiple offer situations as a buyer, definitely during this time, you can capitalize on that. If you wait till spring, sure. Um, from an interest rate perspective, it might be the same. Uh, but if you get, you know, bid over 50,000 mm-hmm. from your offer, which was already over, you know, 10,000 from the list price, what you're looking at, then what good does it do you right now? People are sleeping. So. You definitely want to be a buyer in that time, not a seller, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, like the last when I first started doing flipping this year and the stuff I bought in January and February, I made out like a bandit on it. I bought a house in St. Paul for eighty-eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know what I mean? Like you just can't even do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my perspective on it is, if you're an opportunistic buyer, mm-hmm. here is your time, right? And then also uh, we've known this from being in the property management business for a long time as well as. There's a 10% difference in rent, what you achieve from June 1st versus January 1st. Mm. It's unbelievable. Sometimes 5 to 20%. Like, I sometimes mean, it, up there. It's it really extreme, gets right? Well, like, this is called like the blackout period, right? If I'm yeah, not mistaken. And yeah, no one, want, no one no. wants to do no. anything. And, uh, and so I think it's all about, uh, about w- where you stand, right? If you're, if you're looking to be opportunistic, now is the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Joe, what do you have to add? What's our realtor? I mean, when I'm when I'm doing my pre-approvals, Real right, poor. and I, I just tell my clients what Joe, you're probably going to say is, and what Andre and Ryan have said, if if you're looking to buy, most people are like, well, I'm just going to wait till spring. Uh, you know, now is the time to buy because people are listing now, but people don't like to necessarily list in the in the winter time, and the reason why they do is because of perhaps an event, they're moving or something happened. You know, they're more apt to sell, and there's less multiple offers. I have. I have two di- a couple of different answers. One, um, if I have a seller that can wait, mm-hmm. I am asking them to wait mm-hmm. 100% of mm-hmm. the time. If you can stand to be in your property for three more months, please, just list it in February mm-hmm. with me, please. Mm-hmm. Um, on the buy side, I'm saying, yeah, if the perfect property comes up, yeah, we have a ton of leverage. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else on the market, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of buyers out there. Mm-hmm. So why not be active during this time mm-hmm. and look and if we find the right property you buy it mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to necessarily wait because if you wait if you wait till february march it's exactly why we all talk to our sellers Multiple you wait till sellers you are you wait till february you get all these people and they're coming out in droves mm-hmm. now you've got 10 offers exactly. and guess what you're paying 350 for a three hundred thousand dollar property yep. whereas right now i think you can get it at list you can get it a little bit below right 
You can get a little bit. <laughs> I remember all this insight when you were, you know, Team Joe was landing my business, but go on. This you can get it for pitch. less. You can get it. You can get it for a little bit below. Yeah. Um, so you get a little bit more leverage. Maybe. But as a lister, right? You're a lister in a different way. You're you. You have nobody in your property mm-hmm. right now. You don't own the property. If you were to sell your Savage property, I own the property. I don't occupy it. Go yeah. Ahead. If you if you were to say, Hey Joe, I want to sell my property in Savage, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. and Alina want to move to Woodbury. Um, I would say, Hey Ryan, <laughs> let's wait till February. And we will get more buyers at that time. Yeah. So if you don't have that luxury, I still think you list and you go forward with it just like you have on Pineview. Mm-hmm. But there's less buyers. So you have to price it right. You have to position it right. It is a little bit different, a little bit different of a strategy than let's throw it on in March and just hope for the best. And I think you're also more likely now as opposed to spring, uh, get, you know, seller paids, correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's, 100%. Yeah. I mean, you just have more leverage right now. Yes. Right? A property sitting on the market for 90 days in January, what is the seller <laughs> What is the seller going to say? Right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to wait till spring. Um, what, what are they going to say, honestly, right? Yeah. What are they going to say? They're going to say, I, I might wait till the spring market. And you're calculating their carrying costs. And you're like, well, your carrying costs are probably two grand a month. So you got six grand right there. Why don't you sell to me right now? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're taking a six grand cut, but now you're not having to guarantee yourself a sale in the spring. So in in my mind, like I'm not discouraging buyers, I'm discouraging sellers Mm -hmm. because I want more demand and I want to make my job easier, but my job being easier means I'm getting more money for my sellers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it kind of coincides. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, he just doesn't want to list it in January. It's too cold. And I'm like, no, I want to list it in February or March because I'm going to get you more money. Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time, if money isn't the problem, they just do need to get out, obviously. You right. Can, you can. Oh, for sure. And, you know, to that, that point, there's no, like when we were looking at Pineview, I was like, Ryan, there's nothing else on the market. There's nothing else on the market. You have no competition. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, there's 10 people that want to move into the city of Plymouth. They're, they're cool with the Osceola School District. Boom. Why would they not go with the pretty much brand new construction? Yeah. Mm-hmm best looking house in the city of Plymouth as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know as far as you're concerned, but um, <laughs> I might not be biased. <laughs> anyway. Um, of course, interest rates are low right now. Yes. Lots of buyers are wanting to get um, you know, mortgages to buy mm-hmm. homes and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, with the advent of, of course, AI and just a lot of other things that are happening on the market from a perspective of the realtor, mm-hmm. threatening <laughs> items would be like Open Door, um, all those other mm. kind of websites. Yeah. Uh, for a lender, can you kind of speak to what the kind of threats to uh, you know your services, your industry Ooh. are? <clears throat> I mean, I, I I can speak on a threat. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of uh, lenders are talking about quick and loans, and you know, uh, the, the rocket mortgages yeah. of the industry, whatever the case may be. But you know, honestly, uh, as a buyer, not even as a first time buyer, um, it, it, it's very easy to to click and uh, you know get a yes or no answer pre-approved not pre-approved based on you know what you put in as your income or whatever the case may be and you know if an 800 plus credit score and 20 percent down uh, you are much more likely uh, to have success in closing on that home but uh, there are so many options available to each buyer whether first second or third uh, why limit yourself to just one 
there's never, in, in my personal opinion, and a lot of uh, LOs will agree with me on this, they, there's a human aspect to, to, to the, the lending uh, process. And uh, it, lending, in my opinion, and uh, being an LO is based on what are your goals? What are your goals in the next five years? Um, how long do you plan on keeping the home? Uh, there's all sorts of uh, different options that are available. Uh, and uh, granted, that it might be a slightly higher interest rate and whatever the case may be, um, you owe it to yourself uh, to uh, know all of your options instead of just a yes or no, here is what loan you qualify for. Yeah, I think to, pl- to plug you versus a Quicken, for mm-hmm. example, like a Quicken is going to say yes or no, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Quicken's going to say, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, Jake, buy a house, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you're going to say, hey, Jake, you know what? You can't really buy a house on a conventional loan right now, mm-hmm. but we can get you qualified FHA 3.5% exactly. down, or exactly. we can get you a zero three percent down conventional loan. Yeah. Or, hey, you know what? You pay off that uh, credit card bill, and we got you 3% conventional. So I think, you know, you take the human aspect out of it, you yep. take the human decency mm-hmm. out of it, right? Because mm-hmm. then the computer's looking at exactly five things. Exactly. Whereas you can say... Yeah, you know what? You do not qualify on a typical 5% conventional because your credit's too low. But you know what? You do qualify FHA, which Quicken Loans may be able to tell you. Mm -hmm. But it's beyond that. How do you get back to conventional if it's the best thing for you? Exactly. If conventional is not the best thing for you and the interest rate's too high compared to going FHA. Exactly. um, And also, how do you communicate that when you're writing in multiple offers, right? Exactly. Quicken's not going to pick up the phone and say, Hey, listing agent, you know what? This buyer could have gone conventional, but FHA makes more sense for them because the interest rate X, Y, and Z. And you know what? I know the FHA inspection is going to be a little bit difficult, Mm -hmm. but my buyer is equipped to be able to take care of those items that come up on there. That and also the fact that you got actual live voices at Quicken when you call them. But you got to remember, these guys are order takers. These guys work a nine to five. These guys aren't working weekends. These guys are trained to approve you or deny you. Uh, a, they're not trained to look at the big picture because they just don't know. Um, so th- there will never be a, a human aspect taken out of it. And if you really want a good process, and buying a home is one of the m- largest milestones in life, and I always say this, and it's an emotional process. You're not getting a $1,000 loan. You're taking a, a, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar loan out. Uh, you, you have to know all your options, and you have to have a smooth process. And if you're working with a, a guy who's a nine-to-five that sits in North Carolina in a cubicle and isn't working the weekends, and you need something done, and you send an email, and you leave a voicemail, you don't hear for three days, whatever the case may be, um, if you've never bought a home before, you've never gone through the process, process. Uh, you don't understand if you bought a home before, perhaps you do. But bottom line is you need that human aspect put in to the loan process and you need that service. And when that service is gone, uh, it, it chaos, chaos. So I like to use North Carolina because those people would be <laughs> sitting in <laughs> Chapel Hill, yes. not Durham. Let's just be clear. Okay. About that, but. but I mean, that's, Barbecue. you know, that, ah, that's, 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 you know, I mean that's 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 my two cents on the whole um, automated loan process versus an actual mortgage advisor. I'm going to go on one last tangent mm-hmm. before we wrap oh, up. Oh, wonderful! Here. <laughs> and uh, I will say this: I will say that you know, over the course of the last year and mm-hmm. dealing with lenders and other realtors myself. I think the number one thing that we can do to support buyers in this market, whether it be an up or down market, 
is communication. Yes. Right? Number one. Um, I look at my deal that I just had uh, this last weekend, and the guy ignored me for four days. Mm-hmm. The lender ignored me. For four days, I didn't hear a word. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've loved working with you, Dan, is I know that I can pick up my phone. I can text you. I can call you. I know I'm going to get a response, you know. And so I think about the lenders that I've had to deal with on the listing side of things, and that's all I really ask. That's all, that's all realtors are asking for. Communication. Yeah. And yeah. I think buyers too, right? Buyers yeah. don't want to find out two days before the closing they can't buy the property. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the recent example. I don't think the buyers were happy that they couldn't close. Right. And now we're, you know, we're going on to another lender and we're trying to get it done again, you know. Right. Um, so my point that I'll leave you with, and I think that you should talk about a little bit, mm-hmm. is your process a little bit and how, like you talked about earlier, your pre-approval process. Mm-hmm. When you call the, the listing agent, you know very confidently you're going to get it done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when you talk to your buyers and when things come up, like what's your communication like? What what does that look like and what does that look like to the listing agent and um, what kind of updates do you provide along the way? Um I try to provide as many updates as possible uh, at least once a week, uh, regardless. Uh, we have automated emails sent out. Here's where your loan's at. But um, I provide updates. Appraisal's been ordered. Uh, appraisal's due back on this date. Uh, your loan has been conditionally approved. Uh, my processor's going to be sending out a list of items. Um, but I provide it to the listing agent, the selling agent, and the buyer. And I can't tell you how much feedback I've received, positive feedback from every side uh, because if something goes awry and we can't close on time and it's happened to everybody right because of one, for one reason or another if the communication's there and it's expected and it's clear and not left in the dark uh, it really 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 goes a long way no doubt no doubt mm-hmm. um, for people that do want to get in touch with you know actual people not just robots uh, how could they reach out to you uh, they could reach out to me uh, on my cell phone at uh, 612-757-6393 or uh, via email, uh, dvishnevetsky at financeofamerica.com. Find me on Facebook, Instagram. Sounds like alphabet soup. Via Dan V underscore, Dan V underscore home loans, vishnevetsky, V as in Victor, I, S as in Sam, H, N as in Nancy, E, V as in Victor, E, T as in Tom, S as in Sam, K, Y, don't ask me how many times I have to practice that. Wow. If you didn't know, now you know. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great night. <laughs>